Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Love episode of Blog Radio. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. My name is Evelyn Lambrecht. I'm really happy to be back hosting the show. It's been a little while. Um, I, like I said, I'm Evelyn. I'm from Health Coach San Diego, Health Coach SD on Facebook and healthcoachsandiego.com. Tonight, I am interviewing uh, Dr. Lauren. Very excited. We're going to be talking about poops. I'm going to try not to laugh too hard, but um, it'll be interesting. It'll be a shit show. (laughs) Had to say it. All right. So, I do have some announcements. Um, Next week's show, September 4th, Dr. Lauren will be back to interview the author of Natural Nutrition for Cats and Dogs. Um, The author of that is Timothy Schultz. And some of the topics will include what is the proper diet for your pet. Um, cool home tips to keep your pet well. Um, on September 11th, Dr. Lauren will be interviewing Jimmy Moore from the popular Live and La Vida Low Carb Show. They'll be discussing Jimmy's amazing weight loss story and the mind-body connection to weight loss. That'll be awesome. Our guest tonight is Dr. Noelle. You guys know her. She's a regular host of Dr. Low Radio. She is a naturopathic doctor practicing in Encinitas, California. She works with patients locally and all over the country. She treats a variety of conditions, but she loves working with patients with thyroid issues, digestive problems, and autoimmune diseases. But most of all, her favorite topic is poop. You can learn more about her at drlaurenoel.com and bloomnaturalhealth.com. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you, Evelyn. That cracked me up with the intro. I've done that so many times where I, like, do the intro, you know, and then the lady interrupts me. She's like, blog talk radio. I was waiting for it, and I thought, okay, maybe it's not coming. (laughs) Right. No, it's all good. I've done it many times. (laughs) All right. So let's just get right to it. How did you get so interested in poop? (laughs) Well, okay. First off, I was raised with two boys. I kind of was like a sort of a, you know, a tomboy growing up. Actually, I wasn't really a tomboy. I was kind of like the, the, the what, the d- daddy's little girl, but I was around boys all the time, so I was used to just kind of talking about this stuff. We talked about it very freely as a kid, and I actually had a lot of digestive issues when I was a kid. I was always constipated. I remember thinking back to me sitting on the toilet and like, Mom, I can't go, and she'd bring me a glass of water, and she'd try to, you know, give me more hydration, and I always had issues. So that was an issue growing up, and then in high school, I had pretty messed up digestion. I had really frequent um, sore throats and, and, you know, strep throat. I was on antibiotics a ton, and it just wreaked havoc on my gut, and then had a thyroid issue. And so it wasn't until I found a naturopathic doctor, and she really helped to heal my gut. It turned out that I had leaky gut, and I was having all kinds of digestive problems that I won't really get specific about because I think you guys can kind of figure it out. But it wasn't until I healed my gut and really restored my gut flora and healed the gut lining that I had relief. And I just, I've had so many friends and family and patients who've had the same issue. I mean, at least half of people are, you know, have digestive problems, right? I mean, it's estimated like 30 to 50% or so, but I think it's more, especially because like 60 to 70% of people have gluten sensitivity. So our guts are just thrashed the typical diet, you know, Americans have and the medications that we're on and the stress we're under, our guts are totally thrashed. So it's a very relevant topic. And if I had a dollar every time a patient said, okay, this is going to sound really gross, but I'd be a millionaire because everybody has digestive issues and they're embarrassed to talk about it. And it's no big deal. We do it every single day. So it needs to be something that we're just comfortable to talk about. We all poop. Everybody does it. 
You know, we learn that as a kid, but for some reason when we get older, we get to be proper adults and we're not comfortable talking about it anymore. So I just want to spread the poop love. We can talk about it and just be open about it and, you know, and give some tips that I've learned in practice and hopefully I can help all my listeners start pooping better. Awesome. So when and where does digestion start? So most people think digestion starts in your stomach or even in your mouth, but it actually starts in your head. When you think about food, when you see food, when you smell food, it starts this process called the cephalic phase, which means your head, and it starts the um, production of enzymes in your mouth. So that's why when you think of food, like I'm sure you guys are all thinking of food right now, your your, your mouth starts to water. If you think of chocolate cake or you think of your favorite meal and your mouth starts to actually salivate because your brain is starting that process. So... A lot of times we're in a rush environment, right? I mean, we're just kind of go, go, go. We don't really have that time to sit, to smell our food, to see what we're cooking, to, you know, really think about what we're going to have. We just kind of wolf it down and while we're driving or standing in our kitchen eating or we're stressed at work. So, you know, that's like a really important phase is just to sit down and kind of relax and digest. That's why it's called, you know, rest and digest. That's the whole mode of digestion. So it starts when you see food, think about it, and smell it. And then after that, that's when the rest of it starts to kick in. You know, you eat your food and chew it down, hopefully, in its tiniest bits, and it's a liquid when you swallow it, which is so rare. I mean, I tell patients, chew your food until it becomes a liquid. You don't want to be just eating, you know, big pieces of food and swallowing it down because the more liquid it is, the easier it is for your digestion, and you're able to absorb all those nutrients. So chew your food until it's a liquid, you swallow it down, and your stomach is, you know, secreting the stomach acid, and if you don't have enough stomach acid, there's all kinds of problems on the line. We can get into that later, but that's when you have the proper release of your enzymes and then goes into your small intestines and then to your large intestines and you poop it out. So ideally, you know, about 14 to 16 hours or so is kind of a range I tell patients, but, you know, it depends on the person how long it takes for it to go from their mouth to the toilet. But around, you know, 16 hours or so is kind of a nice range. Some patients take a day or two. As long as you're having a bowel movement, you know, like one one to three times a day, that's that's ideal. But people are so constipated now, right? I mean, I, I used mm-hmm. to, when I first started seeing patients, I'd say, so do you have any constipation? And they'd be like, no, no constipation. And I'd say, you know, and then, then I'd find out later they go poop every, you know, once a week or twice a week. So people don't even realize how constipated they are. So now I ask, how often do you have a bowel movement? You know, it's a lot more of an mm-hmm. accurate question. And they say, oh, you know, every other day. It's like, okay, I don't need to ask them to constipate because I know that they are. So you want to go about once a day, one to three times a day, kind of depending on food. But, again, getting back to sort of those proper, you know, lifestyle techniques really makes a huge difference. And when people have, like, undigested food, does that mean they didn't absorb any of the nutrients? It's a lot more likely that they didn't. Yeah, I mean, if you look in the toilet and you see whole particles of food, you didn't get those nutrients. You know, if you had, like, a big piece of spinach or kale, I mean, it's great you're eating those foods, but you are what you absorb. It's not what you eat. You know, and I had mm-hmm. a patient the other day said, I have really expensive poop, you know. She looks in the toilet and she sees all this really good food, and it's like, well, you've got to be absorbing that stuff, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it really does come down to having, um, you know, proper technique of eating and, um, stomach acid, enzymes, all of that, chewing, and all, it, it's a collective effort to really have good digestion. But yeah, if you have big pieces of food in your stool, then you're not getting those all that money you spend at Whole Foods, you know. Mm-hmm. So what are the things that get in the way of proper digestion? The biggest thing that I see that really gets in the way of, of good digestion is stress. 
I mean, by far. We are so incredibly stressed nowadays, you know. We are, I mean, really the whole fight-or-flight response is great when it's supposed to happen, but we're in this mode all the time. You know, we rush out of bed, we rush to work, we're in major stress at work, and then you you come home, you have kids, you have demands on you, and, you know, you stay up late, and then the next day it happens all over again. And regardless of, of that kind of stress, even if you don't have those types of stress, the environmental stress, you know, like there's toxins in our environment. doesn't matter. And we, had, we did our show on, um, on detoxing a few mm-hmm. months back, and it's just so true. I mean, the air that we breathe, the food we eat, the water we drink, it's all toxic, you know, and that increases our stress hormones, and that shuts off digestion. So stress is really important, and it's, it's important to really do your whole mind-body techniques and making sure to just relax when you're eating your food and detoxing and getting those toxins out of your body is huge. But, you know, whenever you have spikes in cortisol, cortisol literally shuts off digestion because that is your fight-or-flight response. So when you're running from a tiger, your body doesn't give a crap about digesting your food, you know? I mean, really, mm-hmm. like, like there's no need to digest what you ate when you are continually under this stress because it's just not important. So it's it's important to go into that that you know, that relaxation mode. So when you in, are into that parasympathetic, same thing as stress and digest, you get that release of acetylcholine. Acetylcholine is a parasympathetic neurotransmitter, and that makes that whole digestive process happen. So if you stress that whole, it just it inhibits the release of acetylcholine so it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and also, <laughs> also besides stress, there's other things too, you know, like if you don't have proper nutrition, for example, let's say you don't have enough protein in your diet. Well, enzymes, which are necessary to digest your food, enzymes are actually made of protein. I don't think people realize that. So if you don't have enough protein in your diet, you're not going to make enough enzymes to digest your food. So it's kind of a vicious cycle, you know. Mm-hmm. And also there's certain nutrients like zinc, for example. It's a mineral that's in oysters, it's in pumpkin seeds. That's essential to make stomach acid. And um, also like vitamin K and other B vitamins. So you actually need nutrients to make stomach acid. So if you don't make the stomach acid, then you can't absorb your nutrients. So it's kind of both. You know, you got to be in that relaxed relax mode to make the stomach acid be secreted, but then you also need the nutrients to make the stomach acid in the first place. So it's a lot more complex than most people think. Hmm. So um, what is the proper pooping posture? <laughs> Say that ten times fast. <laughs> Proper pooping posture, proper pooping posture, proper pooping posture, proper poop. Okay, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so, okay, we are one of the only cultures that use that uses a toilet. You know, if you go to Africa, you go to Asia, I went to China like a few months or a few years ago, and I walked into the bathroom and I was shocked to see that there was a toilet in the ground. And I was just super weirded out by it. I didn't really understand at the time that that's, they, they're actually smarter than we are. They probably have a lot less hemorrhoids than we do, you know. <laughs> So normally you're supposed to squat when you poop. That is the proper position for your body. If you look at any animals, they're all doing it, you know, and even monkeys. And um, that's how we we pooped for thousands of years. And it wasn't until I think the early 1900s that really the the toilet became a lot more popular. And and so it became kind of a normal way of keeping, you know, keeping sanitation and with plumbing and all of that and, you know, managing sewage. But And it's great for that aspect. But it wreaks havoc on our bowels, you know. I mean, hemorrhoids are so incredibly common. I see ladies coming in. They're so embarrassed about it. They're like, they don't even want to mark that on their intake that they have hemorrhoids. You know, they think it's like such a gross thing, but it's really, really common. And I think a lot of it, yes, it's stress-related. You know, yes, it's food sensitivity-related. But I think a lot of it is the toilet, you know. Mm -hmm. So I always have my patients do, um, for, for one, I tell them, 
to when you poop, you want to exhale. Because most people hold their breath and then they, they, you know, really push, and that can cause a hernia, for one. It can also cause hemorrhoids. So, you know, when you do push to have a bowel movement, take a breath in and then blow it out. And when you're blowing out, then you do your pushing, okay? So actually breathing is part of it. <laughs> and then do squatting. Do your proper squatting technique. So there's a couple ways that you can do this. One, you can get like a little box to put in front of your toilet and put your feet up on it and then kind of inch forward a little bit and, and have it to where it looks more like a squatting posture. You can also, like one of my friends, her um, she's Japanese, and her grandma actually will put her feet on the toilet seat and squat on the toilet oh. seat. That's a but crazy. I guess she fell. She fell at one point and hurt herself. So I wouldn't advise to sit on your toilet seat. I would actually recommend to get um, uh, there's an actual like squatting um, stool that you can put around your um, around your toilet and you put your feet on it and it's it, it gives you the proper way to squat. And they're actually pretty cute. Like they're they're called squatty potties. So there's like different colors and there's bamboo ones. And I'm actually going to order a bunch of them and keep them in the clinic for patients because I want all of them to use squatty potties. <laughs> I think we need to get a pink one so we can make it kind of fashionable, you know. But um, so if you guys are wanting to get one of these squatty potties, I totally recommend it. You can go to my website, drlaurennoel.com, drlaurennoel.com. Click on shop. And then on the – it should be like the first um, banner on there. You can click on there. It will take you to the squatty potty page. And then I worked out a deal with them. So for the next week, you can get a 10% off of your Squatty Potty. So at checkout, type in Dr. Lowe, D-R-L-O, and you'll get a discount on that for the next week or so. Um, but really, I mean, even if you don't have digestive issues, it's a great way to prevent um, hernias. It's a great way to prevent hemorrhoids. And if you have constipation, chronic constipation, I highly recommend to do it because I've seen this happen where even just having the proper positioning of you know, your pooping technique, it can make a big difference with constipation, too. It just flows right out. So, <laughs> yeah. Nice. I want to talk about this. Yeah. So, I love this question that you wrote. Um, naturopathic tips for rock star poops. So, naturopathic medicine, we see the digestion, we see the gut as the center of the universe. You know, I talk about it with my patients. I don't care if you have hormonal issues. I don't care if you have thyroid problems, autoimmune disease muscle aches and pains, whatever you come in with, maybe even um, depression or memory issues, we're always going to work on gut with you because it's really, it really is the center of the universe. I believe 90% or more of diseases start in the gut. And even Hippocrates said that like thousands of years ago, you know, that all disease starts in the gut. And I still see, you know, I, I really agree with that. I see it. So from a naturopathic mindset, I'm always wanting to work on gut with them. So first off, mind-body techniques, always being relaxed, chewing your food till it's liquid. I can't stress that enough. And then also really optimizing your gut flora. It's really, really huge. So most of us have dis disproportionate gut flora. So you have too much of the bad flora and not enough of the good. So I always start my patients on a good probiotic. Probiotics, I mean, I'm sure most of my listeners are familiar, but I might have some new listeners. Probiotics is what, like, basically the bacteria that you would find in yogurt, okay? But a lot of us have dairy sensitivity. So I put my patients on a supplement. My favorite is orthobiotic powder. It's from... Um, uh, orthomolecular medicine. I think they're great. They have a really good probiotic. I do a scoop in their smoothie. really helps to restore that gut flora. And we know there's so many diseases that are tied to abnormal gut flora. I mean, I could list them off. There's, like, so much research. If you go into PubMed and actually type in, you know, dysbiosis or lactobacillus or probiotics, you'll find thousands and thousands of studies looking at 
gut flora that has, you know, ties to different diseases because it really does start there. So um, optimizing gut flora is really huge. And also with whenever, you know, from a naturopathic mindset, I'm always wanting to heal the gut lighting. Like I said, we have gluten sensitivity. 60 to 70% of us have gluten issues. So if you've had a gluten sensitivity your whole life and you haven't taken it out of your diet, you've had major, major inflammation in your gut. You know, and, and most people think, oh, well, I don't really have digestive problems. I don't have, you know, gas or bloating or issues. Hey, Lauren. Yeah. Oh, you just cut out. Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now it's better. Okay, cool. Okay, so you said um, most people don't realize they have digestive problems. Yeah, so, you know, people say, well, I don't have an issue with, with uh, gluten because I, I don't get diarrhea or constipation. Well, okay, maybe you have depression or do you get brain fog or do you feel out of it or feel like there's a dark cloud following you. Most people have some, you know, mental, emotional issues. That's the number one symptom of gluten sensitivity is brain symptoms. You know, mm-hmm. if you take the, the gluten out of their diet, well, it's taken a year or two to create major havoc on, on their gut. So we have to work on, on healing the gut lining. So how do how do we do that? You know, we can use some healing herbs like glutamine or slippery elm is a great herb to heal your gut, aloe vera, licorice. Um, we'll do like Another thing we've used is called C-Cure. That's, it's like a pre-digested fish protein. I'll use that with a lot of patients, and that really helps to heal their gut. And But it takes a while. You know, it can take a couple of years to happen. But it really does make a huge difference so that they don't have those issues down the line, like those different diseases that could, you know, they could be more at risk for down the line. So mm-hmm. there's that. And then also, too, like having more bitters in your diet. So we're really the only culture in the world that doesn't have bitter foods. Right, I mean, except for coffee, we have coffee in our diet, and that's bitter, and that's pretty much it. But other cultures have, you know, bitter greens and different vegetables and stuff. So I always have my patients do more of the bitter greens, like um, beet greens, or you know, like arugula or watercress. Um, I don't know what are some other beet, like some bitter greens, like beet greens are good. Yeah, mustard greens. Yeah, totally. And those increase the secretion of bile and stomach acid and enzymes, and it just really helps to get that digestive process happening. Um, so it's just that, you know. I mean, it's it's just working on lifestyle factors, and um, really naturopathic medicine has a lot of tools. So we use herbs, nutrition, you know, mind-body techniques. But mm-hmm. with all those powers combined, you will have a rock star poop. <laughs> nice. I <promise> you. <laughs> I also wanted to add um, bone broth for gut healing. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, Can that's you been huge. Try? I mean, bone broth has so many of those minerals and the, the gelatin that's in the bones. It's just, it's very, very soothing to the gut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if anyone wanted to call in with any questions, the phone number is 818-495-6919. Don't be embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> if you have a question. Um, let's see here. I just thought of a question while you were talking. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know how um, traditionally when people have digestive issues and they go to their doctor, the doctor always says, like, eat more whole grains, you know, eat more fiber. But then there are people in, you know, the paleo world and they say eat more meat. What is your Mm -hmm. take on that for digestive issues? Yeah, I do believe in the power of fiber. I totally do. Um, There's a lot of research that supports fiber. Do I think you have to have grains or beans to have fiber? Absolutely not. You can get enough fiber from fruits and vegetables and nuts. You can get a lot of it from there, and you also get a lot of the other nutrients in those foods that aren't present in grains or beans. So I do think fiber is important for gut motility, for preventing constipation, but I don't think you have to have grains for it. 
that's just a typical, you know, most doctors don't really understand. They they don't have any training in nutrition, so they just kind of, you know, here's the food guide pyramid and go buy this. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Does that answer? What about meat as related to digestion? Right. I mean, the the value of meat or um, a paleo diet is that it's very anti-inflammatory. So it's reducing inflammation in the gut. So I think that's a huge benefit of it. I don't mm-hmm. think that eating a bunch of meat is going to replace fiber, however. So mm-hmm. at least I haven't seen that to be the case. And um, But it does reduce inflammation. You know, it's great. But I, I've had patients who go paleo 100% and still have digestive problems. You know, I have patients that, that eat a mostly meat diet and they still get gas and bloating and they still get, you know, um, diarrhea or constipation. So that's when I would do a stool test and oftentimes they have something growing in the gut, you know. Right. So, yeah, let's talk about yeah. that a little bit. What are some of the different issues that you can have? Um, you know, if your diet's already okay, like, you know, tell us mm-hmm. what other gut issues we can get, like parasites and yeah. stuff. Yeah, so parasites, I see parasites, I've seen parasites in almost every single stool collection that I've ever had patients do. Wow. And not all of them had symptoms of mm-hmm. gut dysfunction. You know, if, like the other day I had a patient who gets um, a rash and it worsens at night and she has sleep problems. She didn't have any digestive symptoms and I had her run a stool test. You know, we're still waiting to get those back, but I can bet some money that I think she has a parasite. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever I see, like, sleep issues, I see a lot of parasites and... Um, Parasites are just really common, and you don't have to travel. People are like, "Well, I haven't traveled, and I don't. Even, I've never been out the country." It's like you can just eat anywhere and get them, really. Mm-hmm. But again, going back to stomach acid, right? So if you have enough stomach acid, you're going to be a lot more protected from parasites because those are very. It, it really does. It's a huge part of your immune system. Because let's say you do eat some eggs of a parasite in your food, which sounds gross, but if you have enough stomach acid, then it'll kill it off, and you won't absorb it. You know, so. Um, so parasites are huge. I see a lot of candida overgrowth. So candida is n- normally in your in your gut. So I think people think, oh, candida, I can never have candida. You you normally have candida in your gut. But when it overgrows, then you have a problem. So I usually see this in people who have had antibiotics quite a bit. When the, when you do have antibiotics, it, it wipes out the bad bacteria, which is great, but it also wipes out the good bacteria. So when that happens, you get an overgrowth of candida because it's all balanced. It's all an ecosystem in there. So that's another one I see a lot. And um, H. pylori is really common. Mm-hmm. That's helicobacter pylori. And for those of you who don't know it, it's one of the most common causes, or the most common cause of ulcers in your stomach and in your small intestine. So it it prevents normal levels of stomach acid in your body. So if you get H. pylori, you get lower stomach acid, and then you end up being more at risk for things down the line too. So it's really important to treat it. I treated it naturally with 100% success. You know, and most doctors would do um, antibiotics for it. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, sorry. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, can, treating it naturopathically is very doable. So um see a lot of H. pylori and um, what else? SIBO? So SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. That's um, when you get an overgrowth of um, bacteria in your small intestine that should normally be in your colon. So basically you get a migration of bacteria from your colon into the small intestine that it can overgrow, and you have symptoms like like gas, bloating, abdominal pain, constipation, diarrhea, pretty common stuff. And research actually shows that half of people who have IBS actually have SIBO as well. So treating the SIBO can oftentimes relieve the symptoms of their IBS. So 
So it's pretty interesting. It's kind of booming right now with research, and everybody's talking about Devo. It's sort of a hot topic right now. Um, and then I did a radio show with um, Dr. Allison Seebecker on that. So if any of you listeners want to uh, go back to the previous shows, you can check that out. And it's all about SIBO and how to treat it naturally, and it's pretty interesting stuff. So um, I think that's the basics. Um, I, I do a lot of gut testing to test for leaky gut. You can test it, you know, in a blood test and then do treatment for three, six months, nine months, and then retest it. And oftentimes we see that the gut lining is healing really well, and it really goes along with symptoms, you know, getting better, not as much brain fog, and energy's better, you know, mental, emotional issues are improved. So that's pretty cool. And so, yeah, those are probably the, the biggest ones in terms of, like, finding what we see on the stool. Mm-hmm. So I know that if someone has any of these issues, you do want to get tested and you want to work with a practitioner, but I just kind of want to go through some of those and just um, yeah. hear what you do with patients on those. So, mm-hmm. like, start with uh, parasites. What do you do for that? Parasites, it really depends on the parasite. So, but a lot of the different herbs that we can use for one, we can use for a lot of them. So some of the mm-hmm. common herbs we'll use is, like, berberine is one, um, which is, like, Oregon grape. It's an um, ingredient in Oregon grape. Um, we use a lot of wormwood, which is artemisia, um, uva ursi, uh, caprylic acid, garlic. And those are kind of the more heavier, you know, parasitic herbs. But um, I use GI Synergy. It's just a formula from um, Apex, and it works great. Mm-hmm. You know, treat it for a month or two, retest, and oftentimes parasites taken care of. Sometimes mm-hmm. when a patient has more of a heavy-duty parasite like blastocystis hominis, pretty common. We sometimes have to use an antiparasitic medication for them. But, you know, usually the herbs can do it really well. But with that, you know, we always do the probiotics. We're always replacing stomach acid and enzymes. We're always working on healing the gut. So it's a real comprehensive, um, you know, complete approach. It's not just I'm giving you herbs to kill your parasites, you know. Yeah. Um, and then even like IV hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide is what our bodies naturally use to fight infections. We have used that in conjunction with our parasite treatments, and we've had really good results with it. And what's your preferred test? Is it a metametrics panel, or which one are you using right now that you found? Yeah, metametrics is good. I use that. I'll use um, doctor's data. But I tend to use BioHealth. BioHealth is more affordable, and I find that they they find H. pylori better than any other labs that I've found. So I use BioHealth the most. I used to use Diagnostics, but I find that they miss H. pylori a lot, and they also... um, they just, they, they're not as accurate. I, I find that it misses a lot of things. So I use BioHealth a lot, but um, I'm not super excited about Hoff and they, they find Candida. I feel like they don't find it as much, but, but yeah, it's, it's the best one that I have found. Gotcha. Um, so then back to, you know, treating things. What about uh, Candida? What do you do for that? You know, same thing. I'll, I'll use some of the antiparasitic herbs for Candida, the GI Synergy, and it works pretty well for that too, but they have to go off of sugar. You know, they cannot mm-hmm. have their carbs. they got to go, you know, totally no fruit, no grains, no carbs. They really have to do, like, a very strict paleo diet for, like, three months, six months. I mean, it takes a while to kill candida. It's, it's pretty intense, you know. Um, and making sure they're they're really pooping regularly and they're not holding in, you know, because it's, it's pretty toxic, you know, when you have that die-off process, but... Um, but again, you got to get to the root cause. Naturopathic medicine is all about root cause. So sometimes candida can actually be a protective mechanism from your body from other things. So we've seen that to be tied to like heavy metal. So 
So mm-hmm. if a person has like silver fillings or having the you know high mercury in their body, we see it a lot of times. That's is very much correlated with um, with candida because it, it actually is a protection. So instead of treating the candida first, you got to get rid of the metals, you know, and then deal with the candida. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this, and I can't remember what the diet is called, but I remember reading this online, um, people using fruit diets with candida. A fruit your, diet? Yeah. I know it sounds hmm. crazy because it's the opposite of whatever, but it seems to have worked for some people. Huh. Interesting. Never heard I of that. Yeah. I I wouldn't advocate that because <laughs> I would think it would feed the candida. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Just Thing uh-huh. I read. Um, then what about IBS, irritable bowel syndrome? So IBS, treating it as it's SIBO, it really helps a lot of times, you know, because if there is an overgrowth of bacteria, you've got to deal with the bacteria first and help restore that normal gut flora. So if anyone's suffering with IBS, I'd really recommend to go and listen to that show on SIBO that we did a few months ago. Um, so dealing with the, the bacteria and then food sensitivities, you know, it's huge. I'll take patients off of gluten they go off grains, take them off of dairy. I also have them do no corn, no soy, no sugar. So it's basically, you know, healthy meats, you know, grass-fed, organic, really healthy animals, vegetables, um, you know, some nuts and seeds. Some patients are even sensitive to nuts and seeds. So we'll do that. And then, um, you know, really hit that hard for like a, a month, just a really clean diet for a month or so. And then, you know, you can add in things back and see how you do. But a lot of times it's very connected to food sensitivities with IBS. And then really restoring that gut flora is huge. So the high-dose probiotics will do like 100, 200 billion probiotics per day for them and really just load them up um, and then working on healing the gut. I mean, a lot of times it's like a similar approach for a lot of these conditions. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting, you know. I mean, you can get really customized with certain things, but you got to have the, the basics with, with all these different inflammatory conditions of the gut. Um, and then also, too, one thing I've been doing with some patients, which has been really cool, is actually doing um, allergy elimination techniques. So it's called NAET. And this is something, obviously, I could only do for local patients. But for anyone dealing with a lot of different food sensitivities, I really recommend to seek out an NAET practitioner because they do allergy elimination using acupuncture points. And it's wow. pretty pretty amazing. I've seen some pretty great results with it. So people who couldn't have shellfish can have shellfish now, like, you know, I mean, it's not to where, like, a celiac patient could have gluten again, but it's to where, you know, if someone has gluten sensitivity and they do get some exposure, it doesn't it doesn't put them out for weeks, you know. Maybe they bounce back after a day or two. So um, it's pretty cool. It just, it, it, it taps into the energetics of your body and also the energetics of the particular substance you're sensitive to, and it helps it to where your body can respond appropriately to different substances rather than mounting an immune response. So it's a little out there, but we're seeing really good results with it. Nice. And then for IBS, do you also eliminate, um, do you say like FODMAP? How did, what does it stand for again? F-O-D-M-A-P? What does it stand for again? FODMAP. It stands for, oh, my God, I forget. We need to have. I was um, trying to look it up while I. I, I know. Remember. We need to have um, <laughs> um, Diane on the show. Oh, it's fermentable illegal dye and monosaccharides. That's it. You know, you I, I haven't even—I haven't even got. I, I really haven't gotten into that a lot with patients. I haven't—I don't know. Like, I felt like doing the naturopathic treatments that we've done. It's made such a huge difference. I haven't had to get really specific with FODMAPs. So I don't know. It's sort of a—it's another buzzword. I have some patients who 
um, or some practitioners who really refer to it a lot and use it with their patients. I just haven't really gotten into the specifics with FODMAPs yet. You know, gotcha. I just haven't. I mean, I get them off. I, I, I mean, if they're really sensitive patients, I get them off of anything reactive. It's all meat, mm-hmm. veggies. Um, if if raw vegetables are irritated, we'll just have them do like um, steamed vegetables and you know, like more like sautéed vegetables and um, maybe some pureed fruit if they can tolerate it and just work on healing the gut. And then mm-hmm. after a while, it's just not so much of an issue anymore. Why is it that people with gut issues um, have a hard time with raw vegetables? Well, you know, if they don't have enough of the enzymes, then they're not going to be able to break down the food, you know. Mm-hmm. And, so, and also if there's any kind of leaky gut, then they're not going to be able to absorb those nutrients properly. So you can't, they can't break them down properly. You know, I mean, you really, you have to have a good amount of, of enzymes to break down those carbohydrates. So mm-hmm. if, if they have, you know, a whole mechanism that's not working properly, they're not going to break them down. That's why, again, like people who have the undigested food in their poop, like that's that's another issue. So if you don't have those those enzymes, you're not going to break them down. So, so, yeah, I mean, until you have that whole, like, mechanism healed, it's just better to just do, like, the, you know, the cooked vegetables and not really pr- push that inflammatory, that reaction for the body, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how are hormones involved with pooping? So hormones are connected with everything in the body, you know, your neurotransmitters, your immune system, everything. And, and really the, the main hormone involved with digestion is going to thyroid hormone. You know, so your thyroid, it controls metabolism all over the body, and it controls your heat and your cold response, and it controls your ability to burn fat. And with metabolism, it also controls motility of your gut. So if you have a low-functioning thyroid, your, your food is just going to sit in your gut. You're not going to be moving it enough, you know, so that can lead to constipation. So that's one of the most common symptoms of low-functioning thyroid is just feeling like you're just stopped up. You can't go as much as, you know, as much as you'd like. So maybe going every day or every two days is pretty typical for, for hypothyroid patients. Um, and then also too, if they're if they're having low metabolism and a whole whole process of the body is slowed down, they're not going to secrete the stomach acid. You know, they're not going to secrete the enzymes. So it's sort of a twofold a twofold issue with mm-hmm. them too. Um, so sometimes patients have no idea that they have low functioning thyroid until you know we test them and we see okay it's connected to you know your your digestion. You sort of make these these you know um, these lines that they never make with all the different body systems. So I spend a lot of time with patients just, like, sitting down and, you know, writing down, like, a whole map and educating different pathways, and they're just like, I never made that connection that my thyroid could actually control me pooping properly. So, but it's very much connected, too. And um, and one thing I learned today, I was doing some research on this, estrogen actually has um, connections to proper um, digestion. So estrogen helps your pancreas form um, amylase and trypsin, which I didn't even know that. So, again, I mean... There's there's pathways we don't even know about in the body. So, yeah, even like sex hormones can affect that. Um, Mm. And then also adrenals. Adrenal glands that, you know, we've talked a ton about adrenals on the show, but two little glands that sit on top of your kidneys that control cortisol output. And when your adrenals get tapped out, you know, you can't control inflammation. So cortisol is an anti-inflammatory hormone. That makes it's it's like when you take um, a cortisone shot, or you know when you're doing like a, a puff of albuterol, which is like um you know like a um, like a um, asthma medicine. It's very anti-inflammatory. Well, cortisol is like that in your body. So if you have proper levels of cortisol, it controls inflammation. 
let's say you're so drained, you're so tapped out from go, go, go in your life and you're in adrenal fatigue and you're just flatlined, well, you can't really dampen that fire in your body. You can't dampen inflammation. So you, you can have more inflammation in your body, like in your gut, you know, more issues with um, leaky gut, being able to, um, you know, maybe you can't dampen inflammation with parasites or bacteria. And so it's all connected with adrenals too. Um, and then also too, let's say you're always go, 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 like you're always in this, this stress response, going back to what we said earlier, you just your digestion will shut off. So it's very much connected to your hormones too, you know. Interesting. Um, you wanted me to ask you about types of poops and what they mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the one where patients go, okay, this is going to sound really gross, but um, <laughs> and then they go and describe their poop to me. So I've heard every <laughs> type of poop under the sun, <laughs> um, but I've I've seen some patterns and I've done a lot of research in it, and there's sort of a um, kind of a guide to go by with assessing your poop. So I always ask patients, you know, do you have this or that in your poop or do you notice blood or mucus? And most of them say, no, not that I've noticed. And a lot of them are like, I've never looked, you know, I'm not analyzing my poop with a flashlight, but (laughs) then maybe we should, maybe we should, you know, look at our poops with a closer, you know, a closer eye. Um, I actually just heard about some toilets in Japan. I don't know if you've heard of this, but they analyze your poop. Have you ever heard of them? No. Yeah. So you poop in this toilet and it tells you, like the pH of your poop, if it's detecting any pathogens oh in your poop, like what? <laughs> like that's genius. I mean, that's such a good idea. And then they they actually like wash you off, and then you're good to go. So, anyways, but yes, your what your poop looks like can mean a lot. So, first off, what is a proper poop? What should it look like? Ideally, you want it to be like a submarine, <laughs> you know, like a big poop that's thick, it's long, it just kind of slides right out pretty effortlessly. You shouldn't have to strain or push too hard. And I'm sure people are like, oh, my God, it's so gross you talking about this. But we all do it. So it really should have a minimal sense. You shouldn't, it shouldn't smell like a rotten egg. It shouldn't smell like someone set a bomb off in your bathroom. I mean, really, it should smell kind of earthy and just pretty mild. You know, that's how it should smell. Um, one of the girls in the clinic, she cracks me up. I won't name her name, but, um, she says that it should be like a beached whale. <laughs> so it should, it should wow. be so long that it kind of like comes up out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> like your beach, she calls it beaching it. She's like, did you beach it? <laughs> so anyways, that's a inside joke with the girls, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So really you want it to be like, a, like a submarine basically is what it should look like. And it should be about one or three times a day, kind of depending on your food intake, about 16 hours after you eat. Um, and so what could it not, What's what are improper poops? One is if it's floating. So floating poop is a sign that you're not absorbing your fat properly because fat floats, right? So uh, even um, the patient today said, what? My Because my, we were talking about this doing the show tonight. She's like, my poop isn't supposed to float. It's been floating my whole life. Like, well, you're wow. probably not absorbing your fat-soluble nutrients, you know, and what does that look like? Vitamin A is fat-soluble, vitamin D, E, K, those are your fat-soluble nutrients. Um, maybe you're taking fish oil and you're just pooping it out and it's just floating. <laughs> you know? so, what you, so what do you do for that? So working on stomach acid and enzymes, that's huge with that, mm-hmm. yeah. So I love uh, the product Simile. It's by ITI. So you can probably just buy it online, see if you can, you know, if you have floating poop take some enzymes, even just like amylase or lipase or um, uh, like papain from papayas or, you know, bromelain. These are just other enzymes. Even in Whole Foods, just pick some up and see if that helps. But, you know, your your poop should not float. 
Um, also, green poop is a common one. So if, you're, if your stool is green, then that is a sign of gallbladder dysfunction. So working on um, helping your gallbladder function, like bile salts or adding in some lecithin, that can be helpful. Of course, if you're having tons and tons of vegetables, like three times a day, then that could just be from that. <laughs> um, someone asked me that on the Facebook page about green poop, and somebody said it was from green crayons. But I don't think it's necessarily <laughs> from green crayons. Maybe if your kids are having green poop, you could ask them that. But it's usually a gallbladder issue. And then black poop is more of a problem. So if you do have black poop, that could be from a bleed that's in your upper GI tract, which gastrointestinal tract. So if you have like an ulcer, for example, then um, that can look like coffee grounds in your poop. So that's not a good sign. If that is something happening, you want to see your doctor and get a workup for that. Now, if you have blood in your poo, that could just be from hemorrhoids. It's possible. If you just have a little bit on the toilet paper, it could be normal. Um, but if you notice it on a regular basis or if it's a, a greater in quantity, you definitely want to check with your doctor because it could be some sort of pathology. But if it's bright blood, then it's probably not an ulcer. It's probably from the lower part of your, of your digestive tract. Um, thin poo, this was the question I got earlier. It's usually from parasites. We see a lot of that with parasites and also um, leaky gut and also food sensitivities. So if you do have that, then, you know, get, get a workup. I would say if you have thin poo, get a workup from a doctor and get a stool test and see what that's about because it could be a sign of, of um, colon cancer. So not wanting to freak anybody out, but it's always a possibility. What else? Um, what other poops could we have? Rocky poops? It's kind of like hard and like big stones. <laughs> Usually it's from dehydration. So if you're not having enough water, you can't have enough, you know, um, more of that ability to pass your, your stool. So it's a little bit difficult and kind of hard and if you're constipated. So drink more water. could also be hypothyroidism. It's kind of a common, you know, way to see if you have a low-functioning thyroid. It looks like more of a rockier <laughs> hard poop. Um, also, certain protein powders, too, like, um, like um, you know, bodybuilders and stuff, they'll have, like, really, really hard poops or even really stinky poops. <laughs> so um, maybe get a different type of protein powder that isn't as reactive for your body because a lot of them have allergens in them. And then what else? Oh, one thing I ask patients all the time is how many times do you have to wipe? And they're like, what? Why are you asking me that? Well, the, the more you have to wipe, the more it's a sign of, food sensitivities and not enough fiber in your diet. So if you have to wipe a bunch of times, that's an issue. It should be a pretty, you know, clean getaway, like a one time or maybe twice and you're good to go. So, you know. <laughs> um, and then this is really gross, but I had someone ask me today, what if your poop smells like a dead animal? <laughs> oh. Probably toxins. Don't use uh, my bathroom. What's that? I said, don't use my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, go outside. <laughs> um, I told her it's toxins. Like, if, if you have a, that bad of stool, you got some toxins, you got to deal with. Do a detox and clean up your diet, and let's talk about it the next time you go. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. Can you think of any other types of poos that I didn't mention? Diarrhea? Yeah, diarrhea. I mean, bacteria, right? I mean, E. coli or... Um, straps, overgrowth in the gut, or, I mean, usually bacterial issue or food sensitivity issue. And also, too, if you're stressed, I mean, a stress response, it actually does promote diarrhea. So if you have, like, this whole mind-body, like, I get stressed out and I have to have diarrhea, I've got to work on those neurotransmitters and work on the, the stress response. It's really a common thing that people say. Um, I think that's a pretty good lineup of poop. 
I think so, too. <laughs> um, someone asked, so I think I'm doing everything right to promote healthy bowel movements. So probiotics, digestive enzymes, fermented foods, soluble fiber, but they still aren't well-formed. Frequency is three to four times a day. I'm in adrenal fatigue. How would that affect the formation? Yeah, so, the, you know, it's kind of already answered it with the with the adrenal issue. If you have adrenal fatigue, you're going to be more prone for inflammation. you got to work on the adrenals. got to get those fixed before you really expect to have good good bowel movements. Um, but for him, I would, I would recommend to get a stool test. You know, if you guys are listening, you're having the perfect diet, you're doing your paleo deal, you're doing really great at having, you know, really good food and your, your digestion still isn't good, you've got to do a stool test. I mean, like I said, I've seen one normal stool test so far, and these are people with really good diets. So wow. I see what's going on in there. You know, I mean, it's, it's huge. If you have parasites, you got to get those taken care of. You should not have parasites. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some... Well, what are some other symptoms of parasites besides uh, the digestive ones? Uh, insomnia is one of the biggest ones. Right, because parasites like to party at night, right? Right, yep. Exactly. They like they have to be awake at night. A lot of them do. So if you're having issues sleeping, it could be if your parasites keeping you awake and having a party. Rashes is a big one, skin symptoms. Itchy, just feel like you have itchy skin. Um, what else do I see with parasites? Acne, seen that quite a bit, and uh, mood issues. You know, you just have anxiety and depression because ninety percent of your serotonin is in the gut. So any kind of gut dysfunction can, for sure, translate into brain symptoms. Mm-hmm. And um, also, what was the other one I was going to say? It was parasites. Oh, just always hungry. You're always wanting to eat. You cannot get full. You cannot get that mm-hmm. appetite. You know, um, satiated. That's that's another one too. Yeah. Um, let's talk about gas and bloating. What are some tips that you have for that? Well, certainly if there's foods in the diet that are causing the gas and bloating, take that out. You know, usually people say, Oh, whenever I have broccoli I get gas and bloating. Well maybe if you cook it a little more I could have you know, it's easier for you. Some foods just do promote gas, you know, like some mm-hmm. people just whenever they have cabbage they get bloated. I don't necessarily think that's a really big issue. Um, working on gut flora might help with that, but it's, I think certain foods just kind of promote some gas formation. Um, but probiotics is great. I have people just load up on probiotics. It really helps with the gas and the bloating. Also, doing like apple cider vinegar with your meals, like a spoonful with your meals, really helps to promote that stomach acid and get your food digesting properly. Um, more more bitters, right, like the ones we said earlier. And then enzymes, enzymes and stomach acid, those tend to really do the trick with, with bloating and gas. What about um, heartburn? Can you explain what what that is and yeah. you know, can you do about it? Mm-hmm. So first off, if you have heartburn, completely take grains out of your diet. Grains really do promote that reflux, that 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 fermenting of the of your food in your gut, and it promotes like it expands and it pushes up into your esophagus, and you get burning. So cut the grains out of your diet completely, and I promise you, it will really help a lot with that. Now, if you are having an acute um, issue with heartburn, I have had patients do um, calcium and magnesium powder, and it really, really helps with that. So that's really what tons are, is calcium. So it helps to just um, neutralize the acid in the gut. So you can do some some calcium, or if you have um, maybe some milk. I, I don't promote, I don't really recommend milk, but if that's all you have, that can help with some of the heartburn, or even some cream. Um, and then getting to the root cause of it. So oftentimes, if you have heartburn, it's from H. pylori. 
that bacteria that's in the stomach. So get a stool test and just make sure that's not a problem. And then HCL, so stomach acid. And you don't want to just start by taking a bunch because it can cause a lot of burning. So if you have heartburn, when you do have your meals, right when you start your meal, have a capsule of um, betaine hydrochloric acid. You can get that from, you know, any grocery, well, I don't know about any grocery store, probably Whole Foods or a, like a health food store. And you just start with one when you have your meal at the beginning of your meal. And um, I don't recommend to take it at the end of your meal because then it might like sit on top of the food in your stomach and it might burn. So have it kind of in the beginning or in the middle of your meal. And then increase it each time you eat until you notice a little bit of warming in your stomach. So, for example, you start with maybe one with breakfast, have a couple with lunch, maybe three with dinner, and then four for breakfast the next day. And let's say you start to notice some warming with four capsules. Then when lunch comes around, you just take three and just stick with that. What you'll find is you'll get a lot less bloating and gas with your meals. You really notice that you don't feel as full. You don't feel like food just sits in your stomach for hours and hours, and um, you'll have a lot less of that, you know, that fullness in your tummy. It really helps. So, yeah, it works great. And and, and really, too, that when you have uh, stomach acid problems like GERD or heartburn, people usually think it's from too much stomach acid, and it's usually from not enough. So it's you got to kind of, you know, unlearn what you've been taught about that. And, you know, taking proton pump inhibitors or Pepsid or Zantac or, you know, all these things, it doesn't get to the root problem. It just, all it does is it neutralizes the stomach acid, but you end up not absorbing your nutrients over time. So those things mm-hmm. can increase risk of, like, osteoporosis and nutrient deficiencies. And so you definitely want to get to the root cause with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know we've already kind of gotten into this, but what do you think a great diet for having good poops is? Really, I just think anti-inflammatory diet, really. I mean, really, paleo diet is awesome for poop. Having the, the fermented foods in your diet, so making, like, kimchi and sauerkraut and, um, you know, what are what are some other good probiotic foods, like um, kimchi probiotic, like sauerkraut. I think those are the, the biggest ones. But sauerkraut mm-hmm. is so awesome. You can just Google how to make sauerkraut at home. You can find videos on YouTube and just make a big batch, you know, and have a little bit with each of your meals. It really does help. Um, promote good digestion. I love the book, The Body Ecology Diet by Donna Gates. So I really recommend mm-hmm. that patients read that. I also really love the book, um, Breaking the Vicious Cycle, especially for patients with SIBO. So to really educate yourself with that. And also the um, the GAPS Diet, the, the Gut and Psychology Syndrome. It's a great book by um, Natasha Campbell McBride. So any any of you out there with digestive problems, just read up on it and, and try things out and see what works for you, especially if you have kids too. Because if you can... If you can hit this early while they're young, then you prevent a lot of problems down the line, too. It really makes a big mm-hmm. difference for them. Um, yeah, so just avoiding the, the, the common allergens. You know, take out the grains, take out the beans, the dairy, the sugar, the soy, and really do that for a good month or so. And then you can add things back in and see how you do. But most of the time, I'd say 90% of the time, it, it really it helps all the problems. Mm-hmm. Great. That's Pretty much the end of our questions. Do you um, can you think of anything else that you would like to discuss? Since well, it is your you know, I was thinking topic. about some other issues that people could have. So, like abdominal pain is one. Like when you just feel like you got just a real bad, you know, pain in your stomach. Um, I've used enteric coated peppermint oil. It's a great option for that. Mm-hmm. So you can just get that online or get it at a you know health food store. Also, vinegar packs. So if you guys can just Google vinegar packs, you can make those at home. If you're just having a really bad stomach ache, that can really help to do on your stomach. Um, And then a common one I get a lot of times is hemorrhoids. People are ashamed and embarrassed to talk about hemorrhoids, but I see it a lot. 
And there's a lot of natural treatments that are great for hemorrhoids. So one thing you can do is um, suppositories in the rectum. And um, it's it's a product by Wise Woman Herbals. It's called Bottoms Up Balm. <laughs> kind of a cute name. <laughs> so you can order it online. And basically just you um, insert the, the suppository into the rectum, and it really helps to calm the hemorrhoids and soothe the tissue. And oftentimes it really takes care of even, like, the bleeding that people get from hemorrhoids too. Um and then really, I, I do stress doing the the, um, the squatty potty. It makes a really big difference for that, too. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, really getting your diet right and working on stress, it it's the best thing you can do for your digestion. Mm-hmm. It really does. It really does help. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else? No, I think that's it. I think if you guys take this advice and um, – Keep me in the loop. Let me know how you do. I think you're going to have a rock star poop. And, um, <laughs> and of course, if you need help beyond that, or if it's like, this is too much for me to manage, I need someone to guide me through it, um, come to the website, drlaurenoel.com. I will be happy to you know, guide you through it. We can do a stool test. You don't have to be in California to do that. You can be anywhere, and we can do a full workup on you. And, and also for nutritional counseling and a lot more of you know that kind of stuff, Evelyn is amazing for that. I've sent her clients to her, and she's wonderful. So, Check her out, healthcoachsd.com, right? Thanks, Lauren. Yeah, it's amazing. So with our powers combined, you will have a rock star poop. <laughs> All right, well, Lauren, this was so much fun, as always. I love hosting your show. Um, thank you for yeah. educating all of us. I definitely learned a few things. So Good. Good. Awesome. And um, for you listeners, um, check out next week's show. I'm going to be interviewing um, Timothy Schultz, who's the author of Natural Nutrition for Cats and Dogs. I'm really excited to do that show. I've never done a show on pet care, and I'm obsessed with my dog, and people probably roll their eyes at me thinking I'm like, she's like my daughter, so I am obsessed with taking care of her and really good foods, and I know a lot of you guys are like that too. So check out the show next week. It's um, September 4th. And it's at 6 p.m. And, of course, if you miss the show, you can listen to the archives and all the other Dr. Lowe radio shows. And thanks for listening, you guys. You're awesome. All right. Have a great night, everyone. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. This is your wallet. I've got my hands full with your credit cards, ID, and that Froyo loyalty card. So I was thrilled to learn about the new digital wallet in the Giant Eagle app. It'll let you store, manage, and spend all your gift cards right from your phone. E-gift cards you buy from Giant Eagle and GetGo will load automatically. And you can even transfer plastic gift cards there, too. Download the Giant Eagle app and start using the digital wallet today. Visit GiantEagle.com backslash wallet for details. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.